0: Welcome to the Caribbean Moms Podcast with me, your host, Laura Dowridge-Phillips. Over the course of this series, our guests will be providing Caribbean mothers with expert advice, support, and conversation around the everyday challenges of raising children. Most of all, we're here to celebrate moms who are doing the most important job in the world. Caribbean moms.com podcast is brought to you by Vaseline feel empowered through healed skin. Vaseline gives you the gift of moisturized skin that keeps up with the demands of life so that you can live without limits. In this first episode we will discuss parenting styles and I'm very pleased to welcome clinical psychologist Isola Ali Dent Garcia managing director of IAG and associates to discuss this topic. Welcome, Isolda, to the Caribbean Moms Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's great to see you again, Isolda. And today we are discussing parenting styles. Now, Isolda, you know, for a lot of women, when you become mothers, normally in the Caribbean, we follow whatever mothers or grandmothers or aunties, our neighbors tell us to do, right? Whatever they did, we simply adopt. Could you tell us, for those who don't know, what are the different types of parenting styles and how do they impact children?
1: You know, Laura, when we have our babies, nobody ever gives us the manual, right? There's a, we 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 figure it out and we, we learn our children and we there's just so much to do and there's just so much to um, it could be so overwhelming, and the fantasy of having children, and then the reality of having children, they, they kick in and then there's that inner conflict sometimes where we just have to really sort of have this inner resolve and, and, and understanding and, and just processing it. So there are there are generally, I mean, we could speak general terms uh, in terms of permissive parenting or or, or the authoritarian parenting, the, Permissive parenting, where um, it, it, it's kind of more of an almost an indulgent, laissez-faire uh, parenting style, where you just allow children just to be, um, and and it's very warm and it's very loving and it's embracing, uh, but that has its drawbacks as well because then we don't necessarily hit all of the milestones when it comes to accountability. Um, we we rescue quite a bit instead of allowing kids to face the conflict situations and learn and build that inner fortitude that resilience build that mental toughness which is so important for navigating life um, the 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 other side to that would be the authoritarian where we are very very controlling um, do as I say, it's, it's harsh, it's punitive, really takes a toll on self-esteem, can create the sense of insecurity, in a sense of low self-esteem, dependency on the authority figure. Um, so that in itself, it's not as warm and loving, but certainly does not facilitate accountability either because you're also very dependent on on the the authority the parent form, um, person form. And then, of course, we have the authoritative, which is somewhere in between. So call it authoritative, call it conscious parenting, call it love and logic, call it what, you know. It comes down to building that growth mindset and allowing your child to be who he or she is. To exploring who that is and accepting and validating the beauty of your child.
0: So, Isolda, it really sounds as if when you become a parent, you have to be really very conscious of a lot of things. You have to think about who you want this child to be and and what 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 kind of person you want to contribute to the world. But that could be very difficult and overwhelming when you are. When you are a new mother, when you've just given birth, when you're still struggling to figure out, okay, how to breastfeed or how to how to feed my child, how to to juggle having a child with my job. And you know, depending on the degree of support that you have at home, it, it, it requires a lot of forethinking about this child. Um so, so what you know that could be pretty
1: overwhelming for our parents, especially a new parent. Sure, sure. And you and you're just talking about present tense situations, <laughs> right? We we could we can talk forever on this uh, on 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 our daily stressors. Whether we are working moms or we are stay at home moms, no matter what, we still have the responsibilities. The coronavirus pandemic. Oh, that was a game changer. Because um, there was so much more loading on women, so much more put on working moms, we had to sacrifice so much more, generally speaking, than our male counterparts, and, so, and it just, in terms of our own career planning and our um, our progression, our development, our. Pers- Many of us had to put our careers on the back burner to take care of children, to take up the slack with um, schooling. And we have still the echoes of the pandemic uh, still resonating. Uh, Families were traumatized, children were traumatized, delayed um, learning the the trajectory when it came to learning expectations. I'm seeing a lot of that right now, Laura, in my own practice and seeing children who are just generally quite bright, quite capable, but with these these learning gaps because children were out of school for so long in many of our different um, islands. So that's one aspect of it. So managing daily life, managing career and home and chores and caring for our, our elderlies, our seniors, our um, and, and then, Many of us, Laura, put aside the self care, which is such an important yes. critical part to parenting. I'm gonna throw something in. I'm gonna throw something in. So parenting in the Caribbean, because I mean this is a, a Caribbean, you know, podcast at the end of the day. Let's yes. talk to Caribbean mummies. Let's talk to Caribbean parents. When it comes to looking at our Caribbean diaspora, where we have multiple uh, cultures and and generations and generations of, let's talk about it, we'll have to talk about it. trauma from the colonial yes. days come down. And what I find um, in my, again, I'm just going to refer to my practice, is that Many Caribbean mothers present with a mixture of the permissive and the authoritarian, which can seem so confusing to children. And when we look at trauma lines, Laura, the first thing we look at is attachment to primary caregiver. So on the one hmm. hand, we have very very when we're talking, we talk about Caribbean women, very we are loving. We are so loving. We hug up our children. We kiss them. We love. We we love hard. We're full of warmth and acceptance. And when they had the hand, we could come down like the hammer of the gods too, right? And yes, because we believe we believe strongly in discipline.
0: We this is a this is a region that believes if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Right. And a lot of that is influenced, as you say, by our cultural norms, by, by our, the philosophies of different ethnic groups, the religion, the role that religion plays. And it's such a huge thing in the Caribbean. So how do you, how, how do you then navigate through all of that to settle on something that will bring the best outcome for your child? Does it take a lot of you looking at self first?
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, so. I think to really address that, which is a huge topic in and of, to look at all the factors that can come into parenting in the Caribbean. um, It is important that we know our history. It is important that we know what we have been handed down, our legacies from our foremothers and fathers. Um, the, The suffering that they endured and what that did to their own viewpoints of life. Their, their sense of trust and safety, because of the incredible level of, of intergenerational pain. Many of us live day in and day out triggered. Our worry brains are firing and firing and firing so that we're reactive. And right? When we look at that trauma center, if we are living every day in defense, then we're not operating with a sense of clarity. We're operating rather in a sense of being hyper-vigilant. And so the first thing is first is understand our histories. What have I been handed down? What gifts have I been given? But what is the legacy of my trauma experience as well? Going back generation after generation from slavery to indentorship, moving forward, uh, mixed race, not not being able to navigate where do I belong. Talk about being from different cultures and, and sometimes cultures that are at war and very cliquish for fear. I mean it's fear that drives mm-hmm. us all. If you move forward in love, then you can love everybody and be present and but if you are fearful, and oftentimes this fear is handed down generation to generation, then you're not aware of what your duties of care are in the present tense. It can really cloud. So understand your history. Yes. Understand your history. What effect does religion have on your parenting style? Do you see is is do you see your children embracing as we talked about babies, we talking about children, the different developmental stages of a child as they grow up the understanding, that's another part of it, understanding, well, what does this child need from me right now? A baby needs that understanding, that trust that somebody will be able to take care of him or her. Remember, it's just a, we pretty much have a brain stem going and the rest of the brain is sort of developing as we go, right? So we have reactions. Yes. We have, I cry, you feed me, you know, I cry, you change me. So, we, so the baby <laughs> needs to know that somebody's going to take care of, of her in these early stages, you know. And somewhere around, what is that, three months? And you look at your child, and she looks at you, he looks at you in the eye, and you see that first real smile, not gas. It's true 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 smile and there's the emotion and there's that beautiful bond and that's what you're looking for and that's what generates that oxytocin and gets us all nicely bonded to one another And it, it goes from being urgent to being this beautiful love dynamic between you and your baby and then the yeah. matter develops as we go along Kicks in, uh-huh.
0: so you know. So when when I had my first son, um, one of the one of the challenges I had was with my mother. Mm-hmm. She accused me of reading too much. Mm-hmm. She said, "You're reading too much. You're not listening to me." Uh, so we fought about everything. Mm-hmm. How to put the baby to lie down? You know, she insisted put him on his stomach. I'm like, "No, mummy. You know, research has shown that that leads to higher incidence of SIDS. I can't do that." She would tell me, "Put honey on the on the um on the nipple of the bottle, so he would want." take the bottle, I'm like, no, mommy, you can't give children under year, honey, because it could be dangerous. Yes. You know, there were just all of these clashes all the time. So how in the in, in, in context of everything that you're saying and, you know, being present and being aware and doing your research and understanding yourself, how now... Do you stay firm in what you choose to do when you have all this pressure coming from your mother, your grandmother, your your auntie, your mother-in-law, your neighbor? You know, my mother-in-law used to say, oh, your modern-day mother is all you like to do this XYZ long time We would do. You know all these things how do you stay firm what advice you would give to those mothers who are you know they've reached that point you're talking about they understand their family they understand their history they've done the work on themselves they understand this beautiful child needs this is what this child mm-hmm. needs but then how do you how do you manage that conflict with these people
1: at the end of the day i there is merit to what the wise ones say you know I I think that it's important... Understand your love languages. I'm going to... Yes, I'm going to go into that. I'm going to... Yeah, I think I'm I'm going to sidestep and talk about our love languages. At the end of the day, why would a grandmother be so, so, so actively involved or be so very verbal? Because she loves. So... Um as opposed to, uh, this is what we call reframing, Laura, as opposed to saying, well, you just wanted your way and I have it my way. and I So instead of, of taking a breathe, breathe, <laughs> and understand, as I said before, that intergenerational conflict because a lot of their parenting was born out of surviving such strife. And as women being... Mm-hmm. Downplayed, being being cast aside, being dismissed, being used. So this was a way that we could find a, a, a sense of power and control uh, through our empowerment, raising good children, raising successful children. This was evidence of our success, and you know, going through the lines, but. When we really look at it, strong parents know to allow children to find their path. And when a child is happy, a child is successful because she's doing what she is meant to do and living an authentic life, there will be success. Our jobs, our roles as parents is to allow that path to naturally occur. So in dealing with our moms and our grannies and our aunties, we have to to look at them through the eyes of love and understand Mm. that their intentions are only to ensure the success and growth and strength of the generations coming aboard. So if you understand the love logic in there, so you say, well, you know, gosh, thank you so much for that advice. I'm sure that it really did work. Tell me about your experiences. What was it like? And then you let them talk, get them talking about what it was like parenting in their day. What what were the hardships that you faced? What were the successes? What worked? What didn't work? Nowadays, this is my experience. This is what's working. This isn't work. Because parenting now, and this, this generation of our kiddos, it's not like parenting before, not even like parenting 10 years ago. And I'll tell you, I know I'm harping on it, but the pandemic was a game changer. So parenting this cohort of our beautiful Caribbean children is very different than what it used to look like even just a few years ago, 10 years ago. In what way? Um, a lot lot more technology. Um, they're, they, they are more aware social media. Both treacherous and informative as it is, has allowed for a lot of education, sensitizing. Um, what I found with, with with kiddos, especially the teens now, teaching them that even if you are in the mindset of championing this cause or that cause. By isolating other people in you know in in your journey, you're also being aggressive, and you're also being uh, prejudicial or giving misinformation, and 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 it's just that righteous indignation <laughs> that I think that we would face anyway with teens, but it's just been ramped up quite a bit. So you know it's 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 fun though. It's it's it it could be a very fun experience once we try to take ego out of it and just really sit back and enjoy the beauty of our children, their strengths, their convictions, their notions, and say, okay, well, educate me, enlighten me, tell me what's happening, how does this feel to you? Because this feels very weird to me, but I want to know more. And that's the kind of language that we can use with our kids and with our parents as well. Tell me more, tell me more.
0: Yes. And I've, I've found Isola that um, you know, as, as as children, as you go through the different phases of parenting, um the styles change, don't they? Because <laughs> you told, you know, you say we, 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 we already in the Caribbean we use a mixture of parenting styles. But the, you find that the styles change. So when you have a baby, uh, you know you can choose what kind of parenting you want to, you know, with that with that baby. But and but you're so involved when you have a baby, when you have a toddler, when you have a young child, you're so involved as a parent. But then I find as your children become, they go into the teenage years, the parenting style becomes a little less. It becomes a little
1: more passive. Well, it depends. It depends. Um, so have you found that these, these styles change? Oh, I mean. When it, and I'm going to go back to the developmental milestones. Children need a certain amount of input when they're babies. They, you know, they need that immediate gratification, unconditional uh, response. Is that that that's what babies need at the time? they had they have urgent needs and so on. But as oh, they grow up, we have to encourage a certain level of independence so that they can do for themselves. So I wouldn't call it passive. I would say less hands-on, but we must observe. Right. Teenagers, again, like the toddler years, are, are are turbulent years because the body is going through rapid change. The brain is going through rapid change. The hormones are flaring, and their their awareness is enhanced. Again. Taking into consideration influences of social media, pop culture, friends, school, religion, uh, familial dynamics, so there's a lot coming at them at the time. So I wouldn't say that we we should be passive. I think we should because I guess in my mind, passive means not as present. Our kids will always need us to be very, very present, but what form that takes would depend on the situation. So say. For example, disappointment of not making um, not making it into the a club, right? You wanted to be on the football team. Mm. You went for tryouts. You've been practicing so, so, so hard and you didn't get it. So I mean, our first instinct is, you know, the mama bear. We want to jump in there. We want to, if we could take the pain, we would take the pain. Of course we would. We don't want to see them suffer. It hurts us worse than if we were suffering so but we can't so i uh, you know we were very reactive and i laura i've made my fair share of mistakes with my kiddos so you, i know i know that angst i know that angst but then there are consequences are okay so can i call the coach and say hey, hey john is it sold the hair i see that you're coaching the say, oh gosh well you know you know, Caribbean is who you know, and you know, everybody knows somebody. We're only like at one degree of separation. Right? But if we do that. Yes, we
0: all have been tempted oh to do that.
1: <laughs> but you know, I know his mommy. But you know, I think I know his his sister's best friend. I bet yes. We have to stop because then that's worry brain. That's our own worry brain. So we never, ever leave with the worry brain, as tempted as it might be. Because, amidst it, all laura it is those crisis situations that will teach our children to keep on keeping on to persevere huh. to develop their passion to discover who they are to build that resilience to build that mental toughness and that is needed for life if we try to rob them of you know that, that's funny it's-
0: sorry that's funny as you were saying that i just thought of this scenario you know there are all these um these 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 memes that talk about when you have your first child and you're super vigilant and the child falls down and you're like oh my god you're right to call the ambulance and you have you know you're going to the football games and everything all kind of medicine and bandages and all sorts of things and then you have the second child and it's like whatever (laughs) They, they fall down. It's like mm, you just wait for the cry. If you don't hear anything, it's just go on with life. They just they get up, brush it off, brush it off,
1: and walk away. I love it, David Brat. That reminded me of that. Yeah, I think about I David Brat that... when I think about things like that. <laughs> what happened to you? When you are only trying in that outfit? Look, put our pumpers and our vest on here. Let me try to run around it. It's so cold. It'll be cold. cold what? <laughs> then us to it out of the pots What you doing? <laughs> I remember because I so <laughs> And because I worked with, with um, Dr. Brass, so, you know, he was, he was able to say, what are you doing? Let the child just be, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, so you find that parenting styles change depending on from child to child, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. like the first child, he sometimes puts so much on this first child. And then the subsequent children, it's like they pretty much raise themselves. Well, I
1: wouldn't say, okay, I wouldn't say parenting style. I would say the approaches may be different. See, for me, the parenting style should always be one that promotes growth, that promotes validation of the authentic self, a parenting style that promotes evidence of competency and success, most of all, that that promotes a sense of worthiness. Because when you don't feel worthy of love or of your friends or of your accomplishments, then there's a lot of compensating that goes on. Several times, most of it, it's just just really unhealthy. So no, the parenting style should always remain the same in, in the sense that you are promoting these attributes in all of your children. How you do it and the communication may be different depending on your child and your child wants right. personalities, but the parenting style should always be akin to building grit, always be in alignment with building that growth mindset, which is developing the passions for life, not emphasizing, well, I want to be a friend, or that's a mini me. Mm. There are not mini yous. I know you want to think that, but they are not. <laughs> they are their own people. Leave them alone. Let them be them. They are their own people. They have different genetic inputs than you. They have a, went to a different school. They have different friends. They're living in a different time. But what they are is, is yours to raise. You know, it, it, love them unconditionally. Love them for who they are. Your first, second, your third, your fifth. Mm-hmm. Each of them will come with their unique loadings and appreciate, love them all the same, but appreciate them for their differences. But the style, Laura, remains the same. The approach remains the same in that regard that we are making sure that they are not sacrificing their senses of who they are, sense of self, in favor of external validation or you know, a social right. acceptance. You know, everybody is doing this, so I guess I should do this as well, even though inside it doesn't feel right. Well, if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. Let's explore this. And if they feel stuck, don't tell them what to do, offer them choices. Some kids might do A, B, or C, what do you think? Let's have a discussion around it. And as you flesh it out, it will make more sense. And then they then choose which is the best approach for them, they're gonna make their mistakes. And we don't come down like, why did that fall? Why, I mean, that just adds shame and guilt to a mistake versus using that mistake as a learning experience. It's okay to make mistakes. Once you learn, mistakes grow brain muscles. They grow brain muscles Mm -hmm. and it's okay once the yeah, once, once the lesson is learned in, in terms of who you are, strategies, that's a scientific model, isn't it? That's experimental. Yeah. yeah.
0: And also, so, as you're saying that, it occurred to me that even sometimes, you know, we, we adopt a particular style without realizing that maybe our children have some sort of hidden disability that that particular style we adopted may not work with. So you might be authoritative, but your child is ADHD and you may not be aware that this is a this is what your child has. Um the symptoms might be there. You might notice that okay, something's a little weird. I remember when I had my first son, he he took a long time to latch to, to breastfeed. And I didn't realize at the time that could have been a possible symptom. Um just but just little things along the way about his behavior can include kind of me that okay everything is not what it seems to be, I should get it checked out. And I brought him to you actually <laughs> for, for his assessment. Um, but but yeah, so, so, you know, certain styles may not necessarily work depending on what's going on with your child. Uh, Could you speak a little bit to that?
1: I love that you brought that up, Laura. Thank you so much for bringing up those, yeah, those hidden disabilities, whether it's um, their language challenges, attention challenges, sensory challenges, And we again, it comes down to finding the language that works with our children to reach them and the approaches that work with our children. And you're right, each child is different. So what would work well with one may not work well with the other. Uh, If you're talking about disabilities, though, and identifying whether your child may or may not have some sort of... um, processing, just different ways of processing, (laughs) being more on the neurodivergent spectrum versus neurotypical, Um, you really talk and have that relationship with your pediatrician. I I am blessed, again, I I brought up David Bratt earlier on because I've had a wonderful relationship with my children's pediatrician and we still have a very strong one. I also know many other pediatricians and doctors who I know, doctor, you know, here, uh, that talk to your doctors as well if you have concerns with regards to de- make meeting developmental milestones and so on, to to make sure that talk to your preschool teachers. You know, what is the language looking like? Are the, are the milestones? Are is he or she engaging in interactive play? Uh, at the time, or do, do you still see solitary play? So these are, it's really important to have that bond with your, with your co-stakeholders, if you will, your doctors, your teachers, your mm-hmm. pediatricians, your relatives, people who are around other caregivers who can give you that insight, and refer to um, the specialist who can help guide and support. Because
0: yes, that is important. It,
1: is, it is, and language is really, really, really important so that they can connect to the world, different types of language, whether it's nonverbal or verbal, reading cues, understanding boundaries, understanding um, why limits are put in place, to how to form connections, being part of the pack. These are all very, very important. So if there's anything that can impede that, connection, it can cause marked marked, and acute anxiety and distress for both parent and child.
0: Isola, what do we need to do as a society to really impart this knowledge and education? Because, okay, let's face it, this conversation, we we know there are certain sectors of society that will get it, Mm -hmm. right, that we can Mm -hmm. help by having this conversation, but then there are others who, you know, they're they're not probably as educated they're not as informed. They're caught up in the daily struggles of life. And that is, you know, they've, they focused on that. How do we impart this information? Do we need, um, to make it, you know, do we need to have like, make sure like all parents go through a parenting course when they, when they have their babies, Do we need more checks, checks on parents, on families, when children are, you know, when children, their children come into this world, how do we reach and impart this knowledge? Because I feel like this is such an important conversation um, and it's something that everybody could relate to because once you have a child, you know, you you, you, you you dropped into this this world that you may not be, you know, fully awkwardly with, you're just going with the flow. How do we reach more people with this kind of information?
1: I have to say that from on, on my end, I am really, really honored and privileged to be part of ChildLine. So for us, we have an amazing um, coordinator who organizes a lot of outreach to more of the rural areas, at least in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and this is just one example of, of where the NGOs are super important in providing care and support and education and because you're right so many times you know parents as 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 much as they do love uh you know you you have basic safety needs that need to be met so you have exhausted parents you have exhausted mummies who say you know what i really would love to do all of this i would love to read i would but i just don't have the time i don't have the sport it's me and multiple children i'm on my own you know whether you're single or both parents are working or you're together but you're just both exhausted, depleted. Um, where do I find these resources? So I think the outreach, outreach um, programs, those services um, that are government um, initiated, as well as the NGOs, really need to work in tandem with each other because I don't think the government can do it all. That's why they need yeah. to have um, alliances with NGOs who will also help facilitate these programs and be able to reach families all over your country, all over the region, even. Um, But the education part of it is important. Providing, say, in your community centers, places where maybe you can bring your children and there would be childcare provided while parents attend parenting classes. Or even have the meal provided for parents and children. So that evening, mums and dads don't have to worry about cooking, don't have to worry about childcare. They have it all provided for you that day so that you can just be a parent. You can breathe and sit down and just get that, that love and camaraderie and support from other parents as well, having parenting support groups where... We've become we you know we've moved away from the village, Laura. We used to be so much more mm-hmm. of a village, you know, growing up, you mean your your aunties yes. and your uncles and your cousins and people in your neighborhood and used to come together. and we become so polarized. We have little islands now, even within our own Caribbean, which used to see that more in other countries, not so much here but we, we just see people who are yes. so alone. But we cannot be alone, there has to be a support. So for me, the, the outreach programs, like, like what Childline, I, I mean, I could speak to Ch- about Childline, uh, but I know the Coalition does a lot of work, and so many other wonderful NGO- NGOs that do, that um, kids in need, and, and so that outreach work, but it has to be in line also with I think government initiatives to provide support and education and ensure that the basic needs are met. Because think about your Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If your basics of safety aren't met, how are you supposed to learn? How are you supposed to Mm -hmm. perceive to produce unless you're safe? Safety is key. So we have to provide those safe spaces and we all need to do our parts. We all have to, lots of moving parts. We have to do our part. How do we out, you know, how do we um, provide the outreach or at least contribute if if we don't know how to, how do we ensure that this is done? To educate, to educate
0: people. All very valid points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All very valid points, Asuda, especially that, you know, we're not our neighbors keepers anymore. Everybody's afraid to, to get involved, with each other. And the fair is
1: real, um, Laura. The fair is real. Look at the domestic violence we have. Look at the random domestic violence that we have regionally, regionally, up and down the Caribbean, right? Because it is frightening. Yes. People are afraid to go and talk to your neighbors, you know, about the grass or about the music or about because somebody will pull out a gun and shoot you. That's why it's really, really important for you to know <laughs> It's and true. to bond and to have the, the community where you get to meet your neighbors, right? That you have the phone line yes. tree. Um, and I think something is happening um, with Clara next door. Let me call Laura and let me call Deborah and let's, let's get together and, and see what's happening. You know, we'll go over, we'll bake a little something and, you know, and go and sit down with her. And just to have that love. The more you love, the more you will be loved. But the worry brain, the worry brain, that fear response says, no, 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 no. It's about me. It's about mine. It's about my little house. Everybody stay away because they'll want what I have and they'll, you know, fear, 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 fear. But if you love, love is infectious.
0: We have to remember to love. And that is a perfect note to end this discussion, is solar. Um, But before we go, can you give us, our, our listeners, at least two to three key takeaways that they could use in their daily lives when it comes to this topic of parenting styles?
1: Number one, to parent means that you have to take care of yourself. You have to make sure that you have the energy and that you have the res- inner resources so that you have resources to give those you love. That airplane, remember that airplane, you put on your oxygen mask first, and then you put it on the child because it doesn't help if both of you all pass out. Right? So one, moms and dads, but, but women, we are so used to being taught that we sacrifice so that others will survive. It doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Take care of yourself so that you can go about the business of caring for others, number one. Number two, build that growth mindset in your children. It's not about controlling. And it's not not about being their best friend. It's about loving and seeing them and validating, letting them know that you see who they are and you see their successes and validating them as human Mm -hmm. beings. Letting them see their worthiness. Letting them see that they are competent to go out into the world. Letting them know it's okay to make mistakes because mistakes are teaching moments. And number three, modeling the behaviors that you want to see your child emanate, display, carry on. So if, you're, if you don't want your children to scream, hey, guess what, don't shout at them. Right. If you want your children to be part of a greater community, make sure you're taking them with you when you go volunteer at the TSPCA or you're volunteering at anything you do, community service, model the desired behaviors for your children and they will follow suit. You are their primary role model. So it's no longer do as I say, not do as I do because they're watching you and they're bright and they are perceptive. So model it. All things in moderation. Thank you
0: so much for your wisdom, your expertise, your advice, uh, your information. This was very informative. Again, thank you so we definitely much. will have you honor. back again on the Caribbean Moms podcast. So thank you so much for being here as our guest. The CaribbeanMoms.com podcast is brought to you by Vaseline feel empowered through healed skin. Vaseline gives you the gift of moisturized skin that keeps up with the demands of life so that you can live without limits. This podcast was produced by CaribbeanMoms.com. Subscribe now for more episodes in our series.